Good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, throughout uh, the history of the church, the pastor, whoever was speaking, would get up and say, he is risen, and the church would answer back, he is risen indeed. So let's do that today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. We are celebrating with literally billions of people around the world today, the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're so glad to be able to do that with you this morning. Hey, if you are here today and you aren't a follower of Christ or you're watching online, you're not a follower of Christ, thank you for being with us today. I just wanna let you know upfront our goal, our bias in this moment. We actually think that you should follow Jesus. Unlike all of the news reports and stations that you watch that don't let you know their bias upfront, I'm just gonna tell you upfront. What the goal of this service is, is for you to actually follow Jesus. Again, uh, celebrating with billions of people around the world today, we're, we're gonna try to let you in on some of the reasons why today that we follow Jesus. This great historical fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he was actually bodily raised from the dead. And what it might actually mean for us today, what, did it, me what it means for eternity for all people. So we're just excited to celebrate uh, with all of you today. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, you know, our, our theme this morning is hope rising. And really hope is a human universal. It comes along with our consciousness. We have this awareness that there is a future. You know, we, as I tell you many times, my wife and I, we had two dogs and our dogs have no awareness of the future. As we feed them every day, they never stop and think, I'll save some of this for later. They always eat all of the food that's available to them at any moment because they have no awareness of the future. But we, as human beings made in the image of God, we have this awareness that tomorrow is coming. And then the day after that, and then the day after that, and then ultimately, death is on the horizon of all of our lives. Aren't you, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> on Easter Sunday, there's a future, and what should my thinking be as it relates to the future? Do I have a hope for the future? Now, we use this word in many different ways. You know, we're, we're entering into the NBA playoffs. Sadly, the Raps did not do so well last night. And you know our hope. If you're, if, you're, if you're not a sports fan, just hang on for a second. I'll get back to the message. But, you know, for, all, for those of us that are Raptors fans, you know, a couple years ago, we had a different type of hope. We had Kyle and Kawhi hope. Now, this year we have Freddie and Pascal hope. Now, listen, I love Freddie and Pascal. It's just not the same level of hope, expectation that I have as that we had three years ago. And, and, and see, all of hope is like this. We want to have a certain expectation for our future. And if we don't, we know that people can get depressed and get in despair because, man, there is no future for me. What is coming my way in the future. I have such a difficult now sometimes. And you know, some of our testimonies this morning are just a representation of humanity. We live in a broken world, and this is the story of the scripture, that there is difficulty and suffering that we are going to face in our lives. But how should we think about the future? And the gospel message answers that question for us. See, hope, biblical hope, springs from the resurrection. Jesus provides a change for my now and for my eternity. Jesus' bodily resurrection is the precursor to the resurrection at the end of time, that God will make a new heaven and a new earth and all injustices will be made right. And this will be our final resting place in God. 
See, right now, uh, this is the place we live in, not just to hope, again, dependent on the people in our lives, but the hope that we have in Christ is this eternal hope based on the resurrection of Jesus, that he came and he talked about certain things and he mentioned about the kingdom of God. And really, this is what he preached all of the time. But then all of what we know that he said it was true because of the resurrection. So you and, you and I can be hopeful for our now and for our eternity because of Jesus. Jesus changed everything. We live in 2022 from when Jesus came. Jesus changed world history. Why? Why are there billions of people today celebrating the resurrection? See, the story we have in the scripture at Jesus' death and resurrection is the culmination of a story from the Old Testament, and then it's all about a new beginning based in reality, a real event that took place, not once upon a time in Never Never Land, but actually here on the earth, Jesus came and was a real person and was bodily resurrected. So our hope is in the physical rising of Jesus. Paul, the apostle Paul said, our whole faith, our whole hope is based on this one thing, this one thing that Jesus rose. And we see many stories in the gospels about the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus appeared to many people. The scripture actually says at one point, 500 people actually saw him after his resurrection. And those were all contemporaries. So people could go talk to those 500 people and be like, oh, did you see Jesus? Like, yeah, I saw Jesus. It was an amazing thing. And so they testified to that in the scripture. But here's one of the stories, Jesus appearing to a couple of people, one of his, a couple of his greater disciples, not the 12 apostles, but some other disciples. And we see the story here in Luke 24, verse 15. And it says this, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? As they stood still looking sad, one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to him, what things? Jesus is asking them. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So this was their hope related to Jesus. See, there was many messiahs in and around this time, and one is actually mentioned in the book of Acts, people claiming to be messiahs, rather. And all of them just died. And here was people who were in a situation after hearing about Jesus and his preaching and seeing his miracles were like, oh, we thought Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel, save Israel from Roman occupation, just like they had been brought out of Egypt in the Old Testament, an actual nation moving land to another nation. And here they thought the same thing was going to take place with Jesus, that he was going to be actually this physical deliverer of Israel. This is what they were hoping for. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, and they did not see him. They did not see. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he explained to them the scriptures, the promised coming Messiah and what it might mean. And then Jesus was talking about himself, that our hope as followers of Jesus, as Christians, are not just based on ideas. They're actually based on this event that Jesus came, died, and was resurrected. And then this is the story that Jesus is telling us was told all the way throughout the scripture, culminating here in this moment. But it wasn't what they thought. It wasn't, oh, we're gonna have a physical king sitting on a physical throne with physical borders and maybe some sort of army that's gonna be physical Israel. Oh, we thought this is, he was gonna be our new king. We thought he was gonna be the Messiah. But something else happened. Something greater happened than just a nation. See, when we go back to the Old Testament and we see the promised Messiah, the promised Messiah wasn't just for Israel. It was for all mankind that God would save everybody, make salvation available to everybody, Jew and Gentile. And that just means everyone. So they were maybe confused. Maybe they had their hope in the wrong place, but this wasn't the end. This was just the beginning. God's creation, God's new creation had already begun. That the Messiah was now the ruler of the world based on the sacrifice and the resurrection. And then there was a brand new temple being built. They thought, oh, the temple, we're going to rebuild the temple. But instead of that, the temple was going to be people. That you and I were going to be the temple in which the Holy Spirit would dwell. And this new way would last forever. The rescue had happened in Christ. The release from the slavery of sin. The ultimate tyrannical leader is sin. Now we, got, we have problems with our elected leaders and even the ones you like, eventually you're probably gonna have a problem with them. But the ultimate tyrant that all humanity will face is sin. The sin that affects us and hurts our lives and hurts the friends that we have and damages us and hurts the world at large. That Jesus had set us free from the effects, the eternal effects of sin. The Messiah was not just gonna rule in a physical place with national borders, that Messiah had come to rule in the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl. He came for our hearts. Do you see how their hope was maybe misplaced? I tell you what we need. We need some sort of human leader that we could see that could sit on a throne. And this is our problem today when we put our hope in our political leaders, because all of them, friends, all of them, all of them are human. All of them are human. And they're gonna fail at some time. But this is 
isn't what we needed. We actually needed a rule, a ruler for our hearts, for the interior part of us, the part affected by sin, infected by sin, separating us from God. This hope that we have in Jesus brings us back to life. We sang about it this morning, from death to life. See, the resurrection doesn't just make bad people good. It brings us from death to life, spiritually dead to alive in Christ. Hope, the definition, the scriptural definition of hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation, to expect with confidence, a joyful expectation, a trustful expectation. Hope is the confidence that God, what God has done for us in the past, guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. And the example that I gave off the top as it relates to the Raptor situation this year is that the problem for us as humans is we just end up putting our hope in people who fail and are sinful and are finite just like us. But biblical hope is not just hope in people. Biblical hope is hope and trust and confidence in God, that God has changed eternity, that God has changed all of creation because of the fact that he sent his son to do something for us, to change our hearts, to change man from the inside. Have you noticed that having more laws doesn't change people's hearts? Have you noticed that? And this is what the Messiah came to do. Instead of the pressure on us, oh, we need to make a new law, we'll make a new law, and then somehow we'll create this amazing thing in the world. No, it's gonna fail because of humanity. But biblical hope is all about confidence in God and who he is, and we can put our trust in him for our now, for our life right now, and then for eternity. That God has the keys for eternity that we need. It came in Jesus. We have this living hope. That's point number one. First Peter chapter one says this in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, for all of us. Not a hope just in people, not a hope just in what I can dream up, Man, a hope in God based on what Jesus has done. It talks that we are born again into this living hope. Now, all of us have some sort of origin story that we are born into a certain family in a certain place in a certain city, and we have certain circumstances based on the nature of that birth, some good things, some bad things. And then our expectation can be just limited to our family of origin. But here, this other family that God is inviting us into, that we are born into this living 
hope based on Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Living hope means every day it's available all of the time. That my expectation about my life, my present life that I'm now living is not just based on my birth and where I was born and the family of origin and what parents, good parents or bad parents that I might've had this living hope that I have comes actually from Jesus who is and wants to be the ruler of my heart, my life. This is his rightful place. The king of kings, his rightful place is to be the king of my life. So perishable, temporary hope born into a world that experiences decay and death. Like some of the testimonies that we heard about this morning, this is the physical place that we live. It, it's, it, and then sometimes our plans don't work out. Do I have any planners in the room? Have all of your plans, now the, the extreme planners, you like have a list. You wrote it down, you typed it out, it's laminated, it's on your mirror. Here's what I know about the list of the plans you made. Some of them didn't work out, right? And so we could just be disappointed when our plans don't work out. And then when our plans don't work out, we can take on this disposition being like, well, what's the use? You could just get despondent. You could get despairing about life. But that's just a perishable hope. That's just a hope in what you can do. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. Planners, keep on planning. We love you. But there's more than just what you can do. See, that's the problem with all human hope. It fails on humanity, ours or somebody else's. But biblical hope, hope in God is a whole other thing. See, born into this spiritual hope, it's unfading, it's undefiled. It's a hope that we have in God based on this resurrection of Jesus from the dead, this actual event in history. Hope in God does not leave us imprisoned in ourselves and our limited thinking. It takes us beyond the feelings of this present moment. Hope in God doesn't arise out of our ego, but it challenges our ego to let us know that we are truly not self-sufficient. You're just not self-sufficient. And you're like, well, yes, I am. Do you make your heart beat? So you're not self-sufficient. I love you, but you're not. Hope in God provides us a deep sense of calm for this present moment. Hope in God. Hope in people? <laughs> That's a little bit shaky. Just... I, I really want the rapture. I'm really excited to be excited about the raptors, but I just, it's just not Kawhi and Kyle, friends. You know what I'm saying? But hope in God doesn't actually matter about the humans in my life right now and their imperfection level because all of them 
are imperfect. Hope in God, man, gives me this deep sense of calm. That I know the resurrection took place. That God defeated death because of what Jesus has done. And the resurrection of Jesus shows us that there is going to be a resurrection. And this is why we as believers, when our, when our loved ones pass away, we grieve. But with, the scripture says we don't grieve without hope. We know that we're going to see them again. Provides us with the sense of calm. Hope is not an escape of the problems of the world, but is the assurance that we can come through the problems with the presence of God's grace. Just this calm can take over my life about my future. That if, if, if my future just depends on my planning, and if my future depends on our elected officials, dear Lord, even if you like them, dear Lord, they're imperfect friends. Come on, let's be honest about the parties that we subscribe to, that we like, that we vote for. They are imperfect. So we can't have our hope pinned on them. They're going to fail. We can't have our hope pinned on our friends. They're not perfect. They're going to fail. We can't have our hope pinned on ourselves. We know ourselves. Second thing is hope in God is wisdom for my soul. Proverbs 24 verse 13 says this, my son eat honey for it is good. The drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to taste. Know that wisdom is such for your soul. What is wisdom? It has to do with my future. The application of knowledge in the now for what my future might look like. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. What is the best way for us to have forward thinking in our lives? Putting our trust in God for our now, our right now, our next year, and then for our eternity. This is sweet to our soul. Otherwise, listen, the reality is we're hopeless. Listen, life is a hopeless situation if we're just going to depend on people. It's just hopeless. But when we put our hope in God, our trust in God, it changes our disposition. Death could not defeat him, so I have a constant companion of hope. See, what is the source material for my thought life and my future? Is it just me and what I can concoct and what I can think up and what might be coming out of culture in this moment or what might be coming out of the universities in this moment? Is, is that the ground on which I'm standing? Is that my hope for the future, for what the secularists can dream up? And that is a hopeless place. See, our hope is grounded in the person of Jesus. Psalm 71, verse four, rescue me, oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope. My trust, O Lord, for my youth, my hope is in him. My hope 
is in God. It's not just in ideas. It's not just in the idea of Christianity. That my hope is in the person of God, the personhood of God. Putting my trust in him. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This word here, assurance of things hoped for, means ground, confidence. This is why we have confidence for the future in God, because of the resurrection. It's the ground we stand on. It is why we worship today. It is why we preach today. It's why we celebrate today. The ground that we stand on is Jesus. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that is the ground that we stand on. It is the reason that we have hope. Hope keeps us steady. Hebrews 6 verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as sure, steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Hope is our anchor. It keeps us steady. Have you ever faced a storm in life? Have you ever faced a storm like one of our friends testified about today? And all of us have faced things similar to this. But what does hope do? Hope anchors us. Hope keeps us steady in the storm. Last thing this morning is that hope springs from relationship. And this is where we're going today. That those of us that have a relationship with God, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday makes us grateful all over again. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, see, this is God's ultimate desire for you to be in a relationship with himself. Your creator, God, actually loves you, cares about you, wants to have a relationship with you. And the whole story arc of Jesus It's based on this, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And that means he loves you, he cares about you. He's interested in the finer points of your life. He's wanting you to have a hope for your tomorrow and a hope for your eternity. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 18 says this, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and useless, uselessness, Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And listen, friends, this is a real thing. The nearness of God. See, the ones that we are in relationship with, here's the reality, when we say this, we're close to so-and-so. Yeah, him and I, yeah, we're close. We're, we're close friends. Married people, they're close. But what about God? Being close to God. I 
And here's the reality today is that God is near. He's right here with us today. The scripture says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, God follows after you, not with the big stick to hammer you for all of the mistakes that you've made, but he follows you with his goodness and with his mercy. See, he's offering you mercy and forgiveness for the mistakes that you've made, for the insufficiency of your flesh. And he invites you to be in a relationship close to himself. John 10 verse 28 says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And finally this morning, Romans 8 verse 38 says this, for I am sure and neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He is love. And he's done something for you. The resurrection of Jesus, what he did through the life of Jesus is for you so that you would know him now and you would know him for all eternity. This is his desire for all of us. Aren't you thankful for that today? Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your love. That it is near. God, we know that you are close today, that you are with us. You are with us on the mountaintop. You are with us in the valley. That you are with us when we're celebrating, that you are with us when we're grieving. God, we are so thankful for your love today. Hey, if you are here in the room this morning or you're watching us online, that is the good news of the gospel, that God really loves you and cares about you. And the sacrifice of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is the way that God has provided righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with himself. And if you're here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, our city church family, plus all of the believers around the world, we say, this is the best decision that you will ever make to say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, never made him the Lord and savior of your life, or maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away from God. Maybe something happened to you 
sometime in a church context or some Christian hurt you and so you're hurt by Christians so you're mad at God. God didn't do that to you, a person did. God invites you back close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this prayer out loud, helping somebody that might be praying it for the very first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. So we say yes to that hope today. We say yes to your eternal hope. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up this morning together. Our team is going to lead us in one more song, and I'll be back with a few instructions.